This podcast is brought to you by Teacher Jobs. If you're recruiting for your teaching and leadership team or ready to take the next step in your career, Teacher Jobs can help. To advertise or search the latest education vacancies, visit jobs.teachermagazine.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Teacher. I'm Joe Earp. School Assembly is the podcast that explores what it takes to build a new school from the ground up. In Series 1, we're following Principal Dr Ray Boyd and Associate Principal Rachel Lair as they navigate the exciting and challenging journey. Each month, we touch base for updates and reflections on their progress in the newly developing suburb of Dayton, located in the eastern metropolitan city of Swan in Perth, Western Australia. We're well into Term 1 and the staff at Dayton Primary School have been getting to know their students and helping them settle into the new surroundings. Last time out, I spoke to Ray and Rachel about recruitment. In this episode, we'll be discussing how they're developing school policies. One heads up on terminology. We mentioned the DFES, that's the WA Government Department of Fire and Emergency Services. And the good standing policy in WA is around student behaviour. Okay, on with the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Rain Rachel. So, blimey, that's the first month gone then. Uh, This is a really tricky one, but I'm going to challenge you to just five words each to describe the first month for Dayton Primary School. Yeah, mine are easy. That's uh, challenging, exciting, frustrating, rewarding and daunting. That's, yeah, well, I've got one of the same. Um, So it was really exciting to open the school. Um, It was quite overwhelming as well. Um, It's also been hard work, that's two words together, but um, it's just been a lot of long hours. um, And it's also been, I feel optimistic about the future at Dayton because we've got a really great team. And um, and I don't even have a fifth word, so I'm gonna cheat and just give you four. Okay, I think that was a bit more than four, but anyway. Well, I, I, I didn't say anything, so, so the first sentence was about nine. <laughs> so I saw on the uh, the socials that you gave all the staff the same goal then, right, for the for the first month, I think. So it wasn't around like literacy or numeracy or any particular target. There's an upline coming up, but that wasn't it. So the, the target was to create a welcoming classroom environment. Yes, yeah. So that was that was deliberate. We've got it's a new school. Um, the kids have left. In the case of our, our older students, the kids have left an environment they're very familiar with. Um, particularly for our senior students, they've left their friends uh, where they've come to the school. And in that, our little kids then for our kindies, it's the first time they've been in a school. So the goal was set to the staff to make sure that the kids on the very first day actually leave your class smiling. So they go home with a positive experience from school and then we build it from there. Um, there was some other focuses within that, which we spoke to the staff collectively, but the primary one was make your classroom somewhere where the kids want to come, they want to participate, they feel welcomed and they actually have that sense of belonging. And that tied into our vision statement around developing that sense of belonging and then also really match strongly to our focus on relationships so um, it was about like Ray said that every child just wants to be at Dayton they're happy to be at Dayton and those continue so even though that was the first week um, we've actually continued those foci for the, um, the whole month and onwards 
yeah sounds great so yeah i mean that's the other thing isn't it so we, we can all write you know statements of what we think is going to happen and strategic plans and vision statements but uh it's actually remembering that yes are we actually doing it so it's nice to hear that that's tied in back to there and relationships with the foundation and for building that excellence and you've talked about it many times about building excellence for Dayton. and i've seen it on the socials everywhere our topic this month is school policies then i can imagine there are loads of policy areas then to think about these days are there oh absolutely <laughs> truckloads the, the first one we had was around um, a fire plan but we had a defus came through and did a bit of a survey and we've actually been taken off the plan so that was one that got taken off our list which was fantastic um, but the first one we had to work around was whole school policy and school behaviour and what was what teachers could do in their rooms and then what we had is across the whole school as by way of what were, was expected and what was permissible in the way that the students interacted with each other uh, we're currently working on our um, what's it called a good standing policy and Rachel has been going hammer and tong working on our instructional handbook. Yeah, so that's been a key document and we did talk about that a little bit in our previous episodes about the, that um, instructional playbook that we established before we even got onto the school site with our staff and um, we went through that um, back in January. But that's framing everything that happens in the classrooms, expectations we have around teaching and learning and how that will look our programs, instructional framework. So you wouldn't particularly call it a policy, but it's what we come back to. And also, um, like Ray mentioned, on our first staff meeting, we sat with the staff and we created, rather than rules, um, there were expectations around some key values. So we have respect, excellence, enthusiasm and perseverance and our vision statement, which was already um, released to the public. So everything went back to that and how that will look. So, yeah, but there's lots more things to come. <laughs> We've got a yeah. lot. And the hard bit too, Joe, is in a in a school that you've been in for years, the policies are just there. You've forgot what you've done. So in this school being new, we had a phys ed came and said, oh, I need, we got into school. So, okay, we need to develop our, into our excursion policy. So let's go back to what the department's got there and see how it's going to work here. We haven't had wet weather yet, but that one's got to come up. Um, we've had head lice in the school already. It's like, uh, we haven't developed anything around that. What have we got previously? Had to let staff know. Again, all my staff knew in a previous school, if the kid took a bump on the head, we immediately notified the parents just in case, regardless of how how hard that was. Uh, and it's like, okay, we haven't notified staff around what we do with bumps in the head. So there is just, the list is actually endless. Mm. Yeah, I can and imagine. You often discover what you don't have in the moment. So I went into the year five, six classroom to help them um, figure out how to use the Chromebooks. And then I realised that we actually hadn't gone through a digital tech um, policy around use, student use. So we had a informal discussion at that point but then it reminded me we need a formal policy around student use of digital um, technologies and the internet and so on so we're often discovering it at the very last minute when we realize we don't have it mm -hmm. yeah i mean if uh, for people who've listened to to all the episodes so far that, that you'll know that people listening that uh, Ray and Rachel are experienced school leaders so you know there's, there's quite a lot you can take from previous roles but this, as you mentioned, Ray, there's things like education department and so on, but it's not like a cut and paste job, is it? I mean, they need to be tailored there for your context and you, you can't just grab stuff you've used before. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of contextual stuff. The department stuff's easy in the sense that there are some, some mandates and some specific guidelines, but it's, it's just making sure 
that what you develop doesn't step outside of those guidelines while at the same time works within the school's context and the environment and the community that you've got. Yeah, spot on. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, last night Ray had flicked me by email our good standing policy, which was largely based on what we had at our previous school. But reading through it, like you've mentioned, there were things that were quite contextual to that school. So we have to be careful that things like that don't slip through. So even though it makes sense to use what we've previously had, um, we do actually have to make it quite contextual to our school environment now. You're listening to the School Assembly Podcast brought to you by Teacher Jobs. In a competitive recruitment market, demand for teachers is high. Cast your net wider and post your job for as little as $100 plus GST per listing per month. Or opt for our jobs package to get five listings for the price of four and use the credits when you like. If you're looking for a move or taking the first steps in your career after qualifying, browse all the latest and featured opportunities from schools and education employers, including via our partners at Indeed. So, whether you're recruiting or job hunting, visit jobs.teachermagazine.com. So I'm interested in the policies themselves. I guess some are less informal than others. Some have to be really formal, like you mentioned, a fire plan or whatever, or health and safety. But some are kind of less informal or, or are they all from a set template with, you know, this is the purpose of the policy. These are the roles and responsibilities. This is the date we've introduced it. We're going to review it at so-and-so date. How does it actually work with them? Yeah, well, there's a there's a combination of both. So I know we've been taking off the fire plan now, but that has to be done every year. And there is a there is a very structured, for obvious reasons, and rigid template in which you have to follow about where the kids are going to go, who the contacts are, the phone trees, all those sorts of things. So that is that is very structured. Then you've got when we look at our instructional framework and the policy that we want our staff to refer to. There's a, they are more of like, here's the guidelines we want you to follow. But within that, depending on your class and what you're doing, that chops and changes. So there's considerable flexibility within that as long as you're sticking loosely to the framework. Then we move to excursion policies. And again, there are some really stickler stuff that you just you can't overlook because it has to be included in the way, the way that the um, letters are worded, the information that parents give you. You can't just assume that a non-reply is a as an affirmative there actually has to be a reply so it it just depends i think it's more a case of when we're looking at uh, student safety particularly and you're playing in the public domain the guidelines are very rigid when we're working within the school's framework uh, again safety is always an issue but when we're in the school's framework we've got a little bit more flexibility within that space and how the, the teachers can operate within that space an example of that would be a behaviour policy that's going to be um, relying on what systems we've put in, maybe in terms of rewards or um, consequences that would be very school-based and, and that's sort of open to input from the teachers and even the students themselves as to how that may look. Um, that said, obviously in line with the department's behaviour policies as well at, at, the, at the bigger picture level. So, yeah, it's very dependent. Yeah. I mean, I- a good example of that is the other day one of our students got struck on the side of the head with a tennis racket by another pupil. Now, if you were cut and dry, a student's been hit with a weapon um, by another student. Well, that's suspension, but now let's look at that. Well, actually, 
the kid was swinging the racket around. It wasn't trying to hit or strike the other child. The kid's head got in the way, um, so it was a complete accident. Well, that's a, now we're using something completely different there. It's not the case the kid's been struck by another student. There's a lot of things that came into play. So it, it comes down to the instance. It comes down to who was involved. It comes down to the context in which that took place. So that's where you get that flexibility and the, that rigidity is removed from the policy. So it's about how you interpret the policies as well. Right. And the other thing is, um, it is. I was just thinking about, you know, who, who you communicate those to as well is going to be different, isn't it? Depending on what type of policy it is. So I'm remembering a, a podcast I did with um, Professor Ken Rigby. Obviously, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's written tons about bullying in schools. And he, he was saying that, you know, he'd, he'd been to a school and the kids knew that there was well some of them knew there was a bullying policy anti-bullying policy some of them didn't know some of them had seen it some of them hadn't seen it so it depends who you share different policies with doesn't it mm -hmm. and that's um the language that you're talking about the way it's communicated is really important um bullying is a really good one actually because we'll have parents come in and say my child was bullied yesterday and you look into it so they weren't actually bullied there was a one-off incident it was a conflict over a toy that's not bullying um, so it's it's also making sure everyone understands what the terms mean when you're talking about the policy and the things within it. Um, and it's important too, as a leadership team, that we communicate very clearly with our staff so they're getting exactly the same message. So when it comes back to where you said earlier to me, it's how you interpret it, everyone's able to interpret it in the same way. Yeah. And it, our um, expectations that we outlined and those values that we um, feel are important at Dayton. We communicated those with the staff first for their feedback. They helped develop them. And then the second stage was we sat with the students and went through them one by one. And then we also shared it with the family. So every um, family member from Dayton received that through Seesaw, the app that we use to communicate. So that way, if there is a, ever a concern about something that's happened, we can go back to that. It's been shared. It's quite public. Um, and like you say, Ray, the language that we developed, that it had to be quite user-friendly because it's for, for the whole school community. Mm -hmm. who, who writes them? And do they go through a formal agreement process then? Yeah, not really formal. <laughs> not formal as such. We've got a. We don't have a board yet. That's one of our. See, there's right. another do list and a policy around developing a um, terms of reference. We've got a steering committee that was part of a group that helped us set up the school from the parents. So we run run things by them and get feedback from them. Um, and policy too. Theoretically, schools can't write policy. Policy comes from um, the Department of Education or our West Australian government. So we basically frame guidelines and operational structures within what the department sets out. So our policies are a little bit different in the terms of how they look and, and how they're written. But it's, it is it is formalised with our staff. It's formalised with us. And occasionally too, Joe, there's stuff where it goes, there's no conversation here. This is just is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so how have things changed in recent years then? So um, it, it, we're sort of post-COVID era now, we're still living through it, and that plays into some of those health and safety policies, doesn't it? There's technology as well, there's been a lot of debate about use of mobile phones, different social media apps and so on. How have things changed in the last sort of five years or so as, as you've been in, in education? Well, like you've mentioned, Joe, the social media has become a big thing, even in primary schools. Um, you know, kids are on social media apps that are designed for 13-year-olds and above at year one, year two level. 
And what we have found is that that we mentioned bullying before some of those um, kind of bullying incidences are happening via social media at home. Um, so there's there's a lot of work to be done in that space in education and in, in terms of like the mobile phone use at school. We obviously can't impact on how students are using devices at home other yeah. than educating the families about you may not know this but if your child is on TikTok or they're using Discord or whatever it is these things may may pop up as a as an issue so we have in the past not so much here yet but it has been mentioned by our year two teacher um, that some of their kids are quite active on social media so those policies need to be developed here as well the other thing too uh, post-covid I feel like is a stronger um, focus on well-being and um, for staff and students and families so I think that you know whether or not it's a policy but what we are doing in that space needs to be articulated clearly mm-hmm yeah and we've spoken a bit about when the different policies are in place and you've spoken about you know which ones were done first things like that how often would you review them then well there's two times we would review one is yearly i've got into the habit now under each policy put the date and then under it say when it was updated so we know um but it's always good to check and we try to get into the habit and we'll do that here every year going through it again but there's also, as updates are made by the Department of Education or government policy uh, changes, then obviously that flows down. So there's times where you may have to look at something um, ahead of that one-year timeline that we've set ourselves here. So it just depends on the situation. Also, if you have an in, you've got a policy and there's, let's just say, there's an incident where you've had to go and something doesn't work. A good example of that was is your fire policy and your lockdown drills. So you run through the drill and you go, no, that didn't work. So yet we have to make changes there. So as we as we actually put them on the ground and see how they play out, because obviously what looks great on paper doesn't pan out really well when it actually hits the ground, we'll make those adjustments then. So it's it's just dependent on the policy, the time frame, and what's happening at the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay then. Um, before we go then, uh, let's go for your key learning, biggest hurdle, proudest achievement since we last spoke. That was at the start of February, actually, just before you opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest hurdle for me is is not knowing the children. Is trying to get um, an understanding of the kids, particularly with our senior students, trying to build those relationships, find out their weaknesses and their strengths, and share that with the staff, so we have can have conferences with families and identify which particular area students need strength in. So that's probably been the biggest challenge and learning for me is how much we actually don't know about these kids. And on top of that, I'm finding there's a sense of like we have so much to do and we want to do it all right now in terms of teaching and learning. So we're so keen to get in and coach our teachers, but we're also aware that we don't want to overwhelm them. But we just want to get things done. So it's sort of a bit of a frustration that we have to go slowly, slowly when we wish we could just get in and get um, all, everything done all at once. So, and a key learning for me, um, and I mentioned this a bit before in when I was trying to articulate five words and didn't, but I just think that we have brought together an incredible team uh, of staff. So I, that I just have learned that we made some wise decisions perhaps around our recruitment because our team is so co- cohesive, passionate and working so well together. So I'm really excited about the future with this team. And I'd just I'd reiterate what Rachel said, that the work we did with Joel around the Lego and selecting this team has really paid dividends. There's some of our staff, uh, a couple are, are young 
um, but their enthusiasm, their passion, they've got everything there. They just need support in shaping that. So I'm, ex- I'm excited by the fact of um, the way we've got this team together and the way they've gelled. Mm-hmm. And I think a proud achievement for me and maybe for you too, Ray, is just seeing everything come together over this last month. Um, you know, the uniforms look amazing. The classes look incredible. Uh, you know, the teachers are doing a fabulous job. The community already has a really great community feel. Um, people are walking and riding to school and they hang out in the morning for 15 minutes before the um, class is open. So I think I feel proud of what we've achieved over a lot of hard work over the last year. And for me, it's that ability when we look at our vision and tying in with James Nottingham's work that we've managed to link everything we've done back to our school's vision. So we've actually managed to keep that connection. So And that has enabled us to make sure everything flows on and everything sort of comes back to that one idea. So staff are seeing that as well. So for me, that, that's been a huge achievement, the fact that we've managed to do that. It's been more than rhetoric. We've actually enacted it. Fantastic. You've definitely hit the ground running. Um, well, we haven't got the luxury of pootling about today. Uh, you've got to go open up the school gates and I've got to work on this audio so we can actually release the episode. Um, <laughs> have, have a great March, both of you. I'll catch up with you next month. We'll be chatting about building a school culture then. No Excellent, worries, Joe. Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. That's all for this episode of School Assembly. Thanks for listening. As I mentioned, next time we'll be chatting with Ray and Rachel about building a positive and effective school culture. In the meantime, you can follow Ray and Rachel's socials for updates in between episodes by following the links at the podcast transcript over on our website, teachermagazine.com. Before you go, it would be great if you could take just a few moments to give a rating of our podcast if you're listening to this audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're on the Spotify app, just click the three dots, then rate show. If you're on the Apple Podcasts app, you'll find the rating section by scrolling to the bottom of our podcast channel page. On Apple Podcasts, you're also able to leave a short review. Leaving as a rating or review helps more people like you to find our podcast. And it's a really big support for our team. So thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Teacher Jobs. Demand for teachers is high. Cast your recruitment net wider and showcase your school to attract the best. Or search the latest job ads to find the right role for you. Visit jobs.teachermagazine.com.